What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It is your host, David, and I am back with another episode of the Top Bunk Sports Podcast. And I know, you know, a lot of people were wondering, man, why why didn't uh, Top Bunk post uh, an episode on Friday? Um, I didn't because I was on a family vacation. I was basically, you know, just enjoying myself. It was my cousin's graduation. They threw her a party. So, you know, I was, it was a mini vacation. Just went to go see my, my aunts in Atlanta. So I was in Atlanta for a couple of days and, you know, I was, I was enjoying myself in enjoying myself in a, in, in a good way. Um, but I'm back. Um, I'm ready to get the show on the road and we have a lot to talk about since I was gone. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's up and down. It's up and down. It's up and down. Um, there's a lot that happened. On Thursday, there's a lot that happened last week while I was gone, uh, including, you know, with the Mets and NBA Finals and, and you know, all, all, all the stuff going on. Um, first thing that I want to get to is my thoughts on Jacob DeGrom having Tommy John surgery. Man, uh, was that a heartbreaker? That, that, one, that one really sucked. That one really hurt. Um, because of the fact that, you know, Jacob DeGrom is a legend in New York. Jacob DeGrom will always be on high regards when it comes to his, you know, his tender with the Mets. And, you know, to see him go through yet another surgery of Tommy John and, you know, another season-ending surgery at that, uh, it's it's sad. It's it's very emotional. It's something that, that is not, is to me, I, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, especially somebody that, that loves the game like he does, the one that competes every night when when he has a chance to be out there. And, you know, to once again not being able to play a full season because you have an issue, you know, wh- whether it's for your elbow or your shoulder, you know, that that that's the shit that sucks. And and, and it, it hurts. It hurts just seeing because I'm a fan of Jacob DeGrom. You know what I mean? And, and, and he was a homegrown Met that, you know, for... for for a lot of reasons, the a lot of my fans wanted him here to stay. Um, I wanted him to stay, but I'm glad that the Mets did their research. I'm glad that Steve Cohen did their research, did his research, that Billy Epler did his research, and that they were able to basically, you know, not give him the contract that Texas gave him. Uh, they basically have done a lot of dodging a bullet lately. Uh, they we started off with Kumar Rocker. Uh, Kumar Rocker had Met fans on their heels, basically, when it came to the draft. I mean, he was a steal of the draft, during, you know, during that time. I think it was a 2021 draft. He was a steal of that draft. Then you move on to uh, the Grom itself. The Grom, with his injury history, only playing, only starting 11 games last season in the 2022 season. And, you know, you're going to pay him all this money, and you don't know if he's going to have a consistent season going forward. You don't want to take that risk. Now, I've been on record saying that... I feel like they lowballed him. But I do understand them not giving him that contract because it's, you know, you don't want to take that chance. You know, it's your money that you're putting in to these players. And you don't want to take that chance on having to pay a guy that's barely going to stay on the field. So I, I, I understood it, even though I, to me, I felt like it was a disrespect to him because of where they put him as as far as like the stature of the team. You know, they had him. As basically the next Tom Seaver, when they did the the, the Seaver statue uh, unveiling last last year in opening day, they had Jacob Degrom sitting there. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was it was all that. You know, it was it was 
all that and, and, and his history based on what he's done with the Mets so far as far as his career numbers. I mean, it, that's that's the Hall of Fame numbers to me. Um, so it, that you have that, and then you also have the situation with Carlos Correa over the, the offseason where they didn't give Carlos Correa... Uh, well, they, they gave him the money. Sorry, they gave him the money. It was uh three fifteen for twelve years. They gave him the money, but they didn't officially, you know, sign that contract because they were looking at his physical and it didn't pan out to what the Mets thought it would be. They didn't want to take that risk. They did exactly what the the San Francisco Giants did. The San Francisco Giants were offering him. 13 years for 350 and ultimately they didn't make it official because of his physical and you know so far it looks like Mets and the Giants were right on that so those are three bullets that the Mets have dodged um but I think when it comes to the Grom's case it's just it's just a sad thing overall I saw the video when he did his press conference and he had to basically announce what was going on and you know he was tearing up and I teared for him because, again, he, one of my favorite pitchers, um, a guy that really did did a lot for for the Mets. I mean, you know, all the rumors about them saying that he didn't want to be here, and and you know, there was no that he wasn't, you know, that he didn't he wasn't happy here. I I don't look at that. I look at him, you know, being somebody that did a lot for this, you know, team and the fan base, and and and. To see him go somewhere and, you know, try to achieve success. And then ultimately, he you know, he gets hurt again. And you just see the emotion, the raw emotion, the tears going down, you know, in his eyes. And it just it just sucks. It, it really does suck because you never want to see somebody go through that. No matter what team they are, no matter who, you know, who they are, what type of player they are, it doesn't matter. You never want to see somebody go like that. And, and you, as a Met fan, I understand his struggles. Met fans understand his struggles. We know what he's been through. So to keep to continue down this path of injuries, it, it sucks. And I think, you know, his emotions. He wears his emotion on his sleeve, and and you know it came out because you understand his frustration. He wants to be out there every every game. He wants to be able to complete an entire season without having to get hurt. And you know when he when he started his Texas Ranger. Uh, a career it, and he started off good you know healthy right away he got hurt he was on the 15 day dl 10 day dl i think um i believe came back pitched maybe one or two games got hurt again and now he's having tommy john and the season is over so it's it's unfortunate it's sad there's really nothing you know you can do there's really nothing you can say but you know prayers to the grom uh, keep your head up, bro. You'll be back, um, and I think you'll be—I think you'll be back better than ever. And I can't wait to see you pitch again. Um, it's unfortunate that we do play the Texas Rangers, and and we can't see them. You know that that was Met fans uh, all ye- all winter when the schedule came out. It was basically, you know, we were getting ready or we were getting hyped to see him you know, come back to City Field possibly when the Rangers get here in August. And now we won't be able to look forward to that. So, you know, we'll we'll see how that you know, how how that series plays out as far as the Mets and where they're at in their in their stand in their you know, in their year so far. Um but, you know, like I said, but well wishes to the Grom and, and I, I can't wait um to see him come back and, and, and you know be better than ever. 
on to my next topic. We got UFC 289 Saturday. That one's going to be a, a show um, because Amanda Nunez is coming back. And she is facing um, Aldana. And Aldana is basically Julia Pena's replacement. And, you know, Julia, if, y'all, if you guys don't know, Julia Pena had to, you know, take herself out of the card because she had a broken rib and uh, she wasn't able to she wasn't able to fight uh, for UFC 289. And I think this is, in, in my opinion, I think this is going to be a, a, a walk in the park for Amanda Nunez. Uh, this is a tune up fight. Um, you know, Aldana kind of took the, the fight on short notice. Um, and, you know, even though she has an opportunity, you know, you switch your whole game plan in, in, in camp and you, you're making a lot of adjustments. But I, I think, you know, this is going to be a walk in the park, like I said, for Amanda Nunez. Um, you know, I can't put on I can't put my finger on who I think is would be next for Amanda Nunez. But I can definitely tell you that I think Julia Pena deserves a rematch 100 percent. Like, that's the only person right now that should get a guaranteed rematch in front of anybody. You know, she beat her the first time. She lost Nunez beat her the second time, and now she wants her re- You know, she wants her title back. She wants a rematch, and unfortunately, she couldn't get it uh, for Saturday because she had a broken rib. So they had to take her out. Um, but I think she gets an automatic rematch, in my opinion. And um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. We also have uh, Charles Charles Oliveira in the co-main event. Uh, Charles Oliveira basically ran through the entire division, and you know, now he's basically trying to get back up after having to, you know, forfeit his title, uh, I believe because it was a cut and he didn't make the weight. So now he's trying to get back into things, trying to, you know, get his title once again, uh, he's trying to get his light, uh, his light heavyweight title. And, you know, it, I, nobody, when, when Charles Oliveira was the champion, nobody was, was stopping him. That, that's just a fact. That and, and and you know anybody could fight me on that. Nobody was was stopping him. He was going through guys left and right. I mean, if you remember in the beginning of of Charles Oliveira's career, he basically was like up and down. It was he was losing a lot. Uh, he didn't really know what to do. He took a couple months off, and then that's when you saw him with the blonde hair. He was a total different guy. Uh, much better, much better defensively. Um, a guy that. He got his submission. His submission game was much better than it was in in the beginning of his career. And, you know, you saw a difference in Charles Oliveira. You know, so now with his last fight that he lost, I think, and, you know, having having him uh, forfeit his title, uh, I think uh, there's an opportunity for him to get back in this, you know, with him getting a fight against uh, Dar- Darwish. And I think... With Darwish, this is a good opportunity because you're the underdog. So with Darwish, it's it's like you know you use your grappling skills, um, and he has a little bit of a, a wrestling background. So I think with that, you know that 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 gives him some some advantages. But I think you know Oliver is just quicker, uh, more stronger, and he has again his uh, uh, submissive techniques that can definitely benefit him uh, going forward. And I I think uh, Oliver is gonna win that fight. So just stay in tune. Saturday, June 10th uh, at 10 p.m., the main card for uh, UFC 289. Keep uh, keep that alert when you guys uh, when you guys tune in. I can't wait for that one. The next thing that I want to talk about is Game 3 and Game 4 of the NBA Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Guys, oh, guys, the Denver Nuggets have had 
the Miami Heat's number. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That that again that that at the end of the day, you see the adjustments that Mike Malone is making against Eric Spolstra. You know, everybody was always talking about that in the postseason. Is there any coach that's gonna match Eric Spolstra, you know, as far as game planning, adjustments, you know, you know, matchup matchup versus matchup. Mike Malone has won that. If you watch the NBA Finals from Game 1 all the way to Game 4, Mike Malone has matched up on him pretty well. And I got to give Mike Malone credit because there's a lot of adjustments that he's made against Miami. I think uh, I think he you, you see the veteranness in Mike Malone. He's calm. I mean, even when they won Game 4, if you watch the video when he's talking to the guys in the locker room, he's giving guys credit. Uh, he's basically telling them, like, yo, Let's do this. Like, now we're going home. Now we can finish this at home. Let's put the pressure on them because they don't know what the fuck hit them. They don't know what hit them. Um, but I wouldn't count Miami out for the simple fact that Miami has Miami has, has, has been in, in, in some, in, in really, they've been the underdogs. Even when they had a 3 nothing lead and Boston almost came back um, in game in game seven to do the unthinkable and 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 beat them um they they've they've been they've had a lot of pressure on them you know nobody thought they were gonna beat milwaukee even though Giannis was hurt they didn't I, even when they were up three nothing once boston kind of found their rhythm they they I, a lot of people thought that boston was gonna come back and win and ultimately that that they didn't win but you could, you can, you can see the the the, how, the toll that it takes, and I agree. I absolutely one hundred percent agree. That takes a toll. You know, you have a team that basically kills your momentum at some point, but you're able to really stop them at the last game, and now you got to deal with a juggernaut team uh, with with the Denver Nuggets, who play at a much faster pace than they do. You know, and the key to Miami with Miami as far as against against Denver, it's their defense. Their defense is what keeps them in the game. And for game three and four, their defense has kind of lacked off. Um, so I think that's that's one of the key things that they need to get back to if they want to switch the series in their favor. And you know, nothing nothing is 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 in their favor right now because they're down three one and now they have to take the task of actually beating Denver at home. They did it once in game two, but I think now there's a little bit more pressure because of the fact that you're down 3-1 and now you got to go into this rabid Denver crowd who is is already expecting uh, to win the title. You have the Nuggets who, I'm in my estimation, probably want to win it at home because they have the opportunity to win it in front of the fans. So, you know, they're, they're probably going to play more of of a different aggression, more aggressive than they've played uh, the entire the entire finals. So it's 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 you know it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be much different, and it's gonna be more and more harder for Miami to to come to overcome that. But I think they can do it. Spolstra has been in that position before. Um, Jimmy Butler doesn't shy away from the moment, and I think he can do it. Um, the shout out to the key guys too, not not just Nikola Jokic 
and Jamal Murray that have been doing so much as far as, you know, moving the ball around and finding open guys and just, you know, pushing the tempo for for uh for Denver. But shout out to guys like Bruce Brown. Shout out to guys like uh KCP. Shout out to guys like Aaron Gordon. Shout shout out to guys that like Michael P Michael uh Michael Michael Porter Jr. excuse me. Shout out to those guys for again not shying away from the moment themselves taking the shots that they need to to take understanding that the that that the the spotlight is there for them understanding that it's not it's not always too bright for them understanding that they they have a, a great opportunity to do something special and understanding that you have two guys in Jamal Murray and Jokic who basically can how do I say it? Can share the ball. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they, they create the offense for everybody to stand in different spots and 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 get their shots off. And I think that's a key thing that we don't see with a lot of teams. You know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of these teams nowadays are stat padding and, and really don't don't move the ball like that and really don't look for other guys. Jamal Murray only had fifteen points, but his assist was crazy. Twelve assists. So that that basically showed you like dude you know, it's it's. I'm trying to make sure that my guys are are fed as well. I'm not trying to always fucking feed. You know, yes, we're gonna need one of our star guys, star players to feed because without them, we're not gonna win. We need one of them to eat. You know, but I want to make sure that my guys around me are 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 eating as well because they're one. They're the key reasons why we're here. You know, they can cook as well, and you saw that. You saw Jamal Murray always trying to find Bruce Brown, always giving a ball to Aaron Gordon when Aaron Gordon was open in the corner for three or when he was down low in the post because he knows what he can do. He trusts his guys. And that's what you need nowadays when it comes to, you know, playing ball and, and, and really, you know, setting the tone for yourself. Follow follow the pace. You know what I'm saying? Follow follow fo- follow your leader. Follow the, the mentality that is set upon when it comes to guys you know, trying to win. And, and, and that's what you get. And that's what you get out of, out of your star players like a Jamal Murray or, uh, or Nikola Jokic. And I think that's the success that comes into, to game, to, to the NBA playoffs, just basically, um, you know, trusting your guys and trusting your plays, not being selfish, you know, always being smart, not making mistakes and, and, and just, just, you know, being open-minded about what's around you and what you can do to just succeed. And that's and that's the key. So, you know, now that the Raptors now that sorry, not the Raptors, Scar, excuse me. Now that the Nuggets um are th- up 3-1 in the NBA in the NBA finals, now it's basically the ball's in their court now, no pun intended. Um they're home. Uh now they have an opportunity to win their very first NBA championship in franchise history in front of that Denver crowd. A Denver crowd who's been waiting so long to make it to the NBA Finals, and now they have that opportunity. I I believe that the Denver Nuggets will win in Game 5, if not in Game 6. I do not, and I repeat, I do not see this thing going to Game 7. If if it goes to Game 7, listen, props to Spostra, um, props to Jimmy Butler, props to Bam Adebayo, Shrews, Gabe Vincent... Props to all those guys for whatever happens or whatever they do to turn this thing into 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 a game seven. Props to them, because that to me, that's that's key, man. 
that that's key. Um, next thing that I want to talk about is my thoughts on Errol Spencer and Terrence Crawford being finally official. Thank God. Thank God, bro. Thank God that these two motherfuckers and their camps were able to get some like this this contract official and get something going. This fight has basically been talked about for like a year or two almost. And 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 at one point it got to a point where everybody thought that they were going to you know, make it official that they were going to 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 have it done already, and it for some reason I don't I don't know I I just you know the, the contract negotiations weren't at weren't wasn't at where it was, you know they couldn't really find they couldn't really find anything, and that ultimately it it, it took a while it took a while uh, it sucked because. At the end of the day, there was there was so much riding on that fight, and we didn't know when it was gonna happen. We didn't know when they were gonna get that contract negotiated. There was so much politics going on, and thank God that they were able to really do something with it. So, like I said, it's official now: Terence Crawford versus Errol Spence, July 29th, Saturday, in Las Vegas. I cannot wait. So everybody, you know, put that in your calendar, clear your schedules, make sure you ain't got nothing to do that day. If you got to order some food that day, order some pizza, bring your friends over, your cousins, your your wife's cousins, whatever, do it. Because that's going to be a fight everybody's going to want to see. So um, the last thing that I want to talk about, and it's very frustrating to talk about it <laughs> because they're struggling right now, is the New York Mets. Now, I'm going to tell you, for those that know, y'all know, but for those that don't know, so the Mets, at the end of May, played a three-game series at home against the Philadelphia Phillies. Big series, divisional series, you know, you need it, right? They sweep the Phillies. So Mets fans are there talking shit, da-da-da-da, whatever. Yeah, we're there, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we got the sweep, Phillies suck, da-da-da, right? You think with the momentum going off of what you did in Philly would carry on until their next series, which was at home as well. They stayed home to play an interleague matchup against the Toronto Blue Jays. All three winnable, all three games were winnable. The series was winnable, yet the Mets could not grab a game. Not one. Not one. Even if we would have lost the series, they couldn't at least avoid the sweep. They couldn't grab one. They 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 get swept by Toronto, and now you're thinking to yourself, "Well, they're back at 500, 30 and 30. What the fuck is gonna happen in Atlanta?" And you know what? To our to our credit, that's exactly what the mindset was. That it, it, exactly what fucking went wrong went wrong. What the fuck happened in Atlanta? And everything in Atlanta went down south. No no pun intended whatsoever. Everything that happened in Atlanta went down south first game cookie carrasco on the mound the mets have a 4-1 lead cookies rolling up until the sixth inning he gives up a base hit and he gives up a walk with first and second no outs they take out carrasco they put in the bullpen and bam just like that the atlanta braves take the lead in the sixth inning they do not relinquish the lead and the mets take the mets lose the first game of the series all right cool 
we have an opportunity to 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 at least turn it around against this team, knowing that we had a lead against them. They were quiet for most of the time. Our pitching, surprisingly, was there. You know, and we had confidence because Max was coming up. You know, Max had pre- his previous two starts. He was he was very solid, d- didn't struggle. And, you know, you had Verlander after that. It's the same thing in game two. Max went very solid. I mean, it wasn't his best, but he was very solid. Was had had his control, you know, was was roaming through that that tough Atlanta lineup. Everybody likes to talk about the Braves lineup and how tough it is, right? Sixth inning comes along. The 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 haunting ghost of the si- of, of the sixth inning for the Mets. The sixth inning comes along after the fifth inning where Max Serger gave up a two run homer to Sean Murphy to put the the Braves up to put the Braves within one. Sorry, right? We, they, we, they, we were they were down four one in that fifth inning. Sean Murphy hits a two run homer. Now the Braves are down by one four three. That sixth inning comes where Buck could have made a good decision and keeping Serger out after that fifth inning because by the fifth inning he was already tired. But no, I, I at the same time I understood why he did it because he needs a length a length of of pitching from our starters. So he was like, you know what? After this six, if you could get through the six quick, that's that's cool. Then he's out. Nope, shit went shit hit the fan in the sixth inning and. The Braves took a, four, a five to four lead, and you know the Mets were able to tie it five five. But then in the eighth inning, it came crashing down, where Michael Harris, who's been struggling the entire fucking time, man, the series, hits a two run homer to dead center, and gives them a seven to five lead. Uh, in the like I said, in the, in the bottom of the eighth, where they basically. You know, have an opportunity to close it right then and there. That takes the momentum of the game for the Mets. Iglesias comes, to, uh, closes it, closes it out, and bam, right there. So you, the Mets already lose the series, right? And then you would think, with a, a a different lineup that Buck, you know, put put out there, with the way the Mets played the third game, it was it was very frustrating. Because of the fact the fact that you know the the offense was there, the offense was there. Verlander didn't have his thing, but the, he was struggling a lot. That was very telling off his last start that he struggled a lot. But the offense, you know, the offense was there. They put up ten runs at one point, and you just had you just couldn't sit back there without thinking, "Yo, the Braves are probably gonna try, you know, try or do something to creep back in," and that's exactly what happened. Got to a point where we're in the eighth inning and we're only up by one. At one point, we were up 10-5, right? Up by one all of a sudden. Then here comes Orlando Arcia to tie the game off of David Robertson, who, again, had the ball in the ninth inning to close it. Throws a fastball up high. So it wasn't like it was a bad pitch. Arcia still had to go and grab it. He put the barrel on the ball and... Takes it out, ties the game 10-10. And then we go to extra innings. There's a the extra runner, the extra runner on second. Then here comes the Met Killer himself, Ozzy Albies. They put Tommy Hunter in there. Tommy Hunter, I think, gives up a uh, a walk and a hit or gives up two hits. 
And Albies comes with two outs. And I'm thinking to myself, yo, maybe, just maybe, if, you know, if Albies pops up or flies out or grounds out, you could get Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter, when he comes in, he he makes my he he makes me sweat like he 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 makes my blood pressure go up. He makes me nervous as fuck. But I was giving him an opportunity and giving him a chance. Maybe he might get out of this inning. For what? He throws Ozzy Albies a meatball down the middle, and Oz and I'll be all, I, 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 the way Ozzy hit that was like it was off a tee, and he takes some yard a a a, a two uh. A three-run homer, I should say, because I think I think Tommy Hunter, yeah, a three-run homer. The Braves end up winning, and they end up sweeping the Mets. So that puts the Mets in a six-game losing streak. And at some point, you're thinking to yourself, "What the fuck is going on? When is this gonna end? When when is when is this shit gonna gonna stop?" So you you have a day off. You 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 don't have a day off. You you. You go into the next series in Pittsburgh, and you're thinking, you know what? You know, Pittsburgh's good, but we're better than them. For what? The Pittsburgh fucking Pirates put 14 run on the fucking Mets, and it didn't take the Mets until the ninth inning to score at least seven runs. And by by then, it was too late. But when you lose like that after getting swept twice and you extend your, your losing streak to seven games, obviously... It, Social media, Met fans are gonna go ballistic, and I and I I personally because I run my social media accounts as a business, I personally don't say nothing as far as like tagging you know certain people that work with the Mets and stuff like that. I don't I don't do that, but I think after the way we lost to Pittsburgh, I think it was I think it was it was it was justifiable for me to basically you know say what I had to say, and. What I told, I, I basically just did my regular, you know, Mets report, right? I did my Mets report, but I tagged Steve Cohen on the top of the picture where I put my caption, and I basically gave my opinion on what I thought, what you know, my opinion on what I what I thought needed to to you know needed needed to be said. And I didn't go in. I didn't disrespect them. I didn't. I didn't violate because I felt like you know. I I felt like the way I should write that caption was as if I was talking to him like a a, a human being, like having a conversation with him face to face or having a conversation conversation with him through the phone, right? So I'm gonna read you what I said. I tagged Steve Cohen and I said I don't like doing this because unlike a lot of Met fans, un, un because I unlike a lot of Met fans. Feel you've done some great things since becoming the new owner, but I have to call you out after tonight's loss. Talk about a beatable team and we get slapped like that after getting swept in back-to-back series the way we did. It's embarrassing in all caps. I hope you're talk you're taking notes and watching what's going on with the production on the field, what Buck is saying during his post-game interviews and overall the vibe of the team. There is there's time to change all all that. But something needs to be done. For all the money that you've put in in this team, the expectations you set, and us making the playoffs on a yearly basis, for you in general, the organization, and us as Met fans, we are four games below five below 500. I don't care about the standings right now. Something has to change within the team right now for us to start winning, and I'll leave it 
as that hope tomorrow is better. And that's basically how I left it. And I hope that he's looking at all the methods that are tagging him, you know, based on what on, on what they're saying about the team struggles. And I know he came out with an article. Uh, he did an interview and an article and he basically said what he said. I don't want, you know, I I, I, I want people to I'm not going to repeat what he said. I want people to go and, and look for that. I do. And um, I think it, I think it's I think it's telling. And I, I think he cares. I think he cares. I, I, you know, I just think he, he wants to adjust it right and not go ahead and try to bite at the, at the, at the bait to make the wrong decision. If he's going to make a decision and try to change everything around or try to change something around for us to get back into our winning ways, he's going to try to do the right moves and not something just to switch it and it still be the wrong move. So I hope that after last night's loss that the Mets get back on their shit and do something to turn this around because if not you're looking at an unexpected season where nobody saw coming it, it may and we probably saw the season coming as far as it not being 101 wins but losing like this yeah it, it's 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 un it's un it's unacceptable my return from atlanta wasn't as good as i thought and their return from atlanta i guess they're hung over from what they've what they've experienced, not only from the Toronto series, but you talk about a big uh, divisional series against Atlanta, where all three games were beatable and they were sweepable, and that would have been a huge statement made by the Mets if they were able to take all three games when they had their leads in all three games. But with that being said, guys, I appreciate y'all tuning in, listening, however you guys are listening. Please follow me on all social media platforms at Top Bunk Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. Please listen to the podcast on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, and go check out my interviews that I have uploaded on the Top Bunk Sports uh, YouTube page. I appreciate you guys tuning in all the time. Love the support. Thank you guys, and I will see you guys next week on the on our next episode. Peace.